What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. Thank you. Man, I don't know how I'm going to follow that. No, I'm not. Thank you. <laughs> hey, yeah. Real quick, I just want to honor uh, Pastor Chris, our, our lead pastor. Hasn't this All of Me sermon series been incredible? Been so good. I know I've been blessed. My family's been blessed. My wife's been blessed. It's just been such a powerful sermon series. And I, I really want to give honor to Pastor Chris because David's life um, has a bunch of ups and downs. And it has some rough preaches. As a preacher, there's certain passages like, well, I don't know if I want to touch that. I don't know if I want to talk about David and Bathsheba, but Pastor Chris did it, uh, and he did it excellently, and he was unafraid of the text. And I think that's really important as to have a leader uh, who will preach what the text says every single time. And he has a great anointing in, in drawing out biblical truths and what God's communicating, and I know our church is growing. And so can we give it up for our lead pastor, Pastor Chris? Come on. Good stuff. He loves you guys. He loves this church, and he loves the Lord, and I wouldn't want to have a lead pastor who didn't do any of those things, and so grateful for him. Um, today, we're talking about David's last words. If you're taking notes, the title of the message today is David's last words. Someone say David's last words. And, and, and how many know that uh, not all words are created equal? You ever met a person who just wouldn't stop talking? If you've ever had a toddler, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I have a four-year-old and I'm like, is there an off button? You know what I'm saying? Like she just, just talks and talks. And if you know Kinsley, once she gets comfortable with you, she just goes and she goes and she goes. Last night we had an extended family, like a little Christmas gathering. And of course they gave her like 27 toys. I'm like, we don't even have room for any of that. And she got a toy and it was this Barbie with a, with a microphone. Thank the Lord it was a pretend microphone. But all night after she got the Barbie with the microphone, her and Barbie were like sharing the microphone. You know, so like the, she was just singing and she was, she started singing like jingle bells. And then she just forgot, didn't know the words, jingle bells, Merry Christmas <laughs> to me. I'm like, to me, what? what are you? She, was, she was just like saying random words. A, a couple years ago, my wife and I learned a very important lesson about buying your kids Christmas gifts. We got her a karaoke machine with a live microphone. Biggest mistake we ever made in our lives. Listen, I love my daughter's voice. I do not need to amplify it across the house at all times. It stopped working, and my wife and I were like, it's broken. <laughs> and I think it was just like out of batteries, you know what I'm saying? Like, she, she has walkie-talkies. They ran out of batteries. And she's getting to the age where she knows it needs battery replacement. I'm like, what kind of those? Double A? They don't got those. <laughs> Store don't have double A. Like, like, we're just... So please... <laughs> She ain't here, bro. She ain't here. If, if, if she was here, I would, I would bring her up on the mic so you could experience what I experienced. Not all words are created equal. Please don't tell her that the, the karaoke machine still lives. It just needs batteries. Don't tell her. But listen, I say all that to say not all words are created equal, but the last words of a man, we can pull great wisdom from the last words of a person especially a person like David, who's had great highs and great lows. David has lived every experience there is to live. And so as we break down David's last words, we're going to talk about the heavenly perspective that David has through it all. We can gather a lot of great wisdom from David's last words. And so if you guys can all stand with me as we get ready to, to read the word, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 23, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. And it says this, these are the last words of David, the inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse, the utterance of the man exalted by the most high, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, 
the hero of Israel's songs. The spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made with me an everlasting covenant arranged and secured in every part. Surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire. Let's pray, family. Bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the wisdom that is found in David's last words. God, I pray um, that these words would minister to us, that we would dig in like David did, to be a man or woman after your own heart. God, I pray that you would speak. Holy Spirit, you speak, that you would increase and I would decrease. God, I thank you for what you've already done here in this church this morning. And I pray you would continue to have your way in Jesus' name. All right, family set. Amen. Amen. All right. You may be seated, family. And so, so here we have, I want to, I want to really dive into to verse one, start with verse one. David gives an overview of, of his life. David gives almost like a eulogy or an autobiography of sorts. He begins to talk about everything that happened, the significant pieces that happened in his life. He gives us an autobiography or for the younger people, he gives us a Netflix documentary of his life. And if they made a Netflix documentary of David's life, by the way, I'm watching it because that thing gonna be that thing gonna be crazy. I'm binge watching that. I'm gonna watch that in one night because that he got some he got some drama. You know what I'm saying? Like like all the guys pretend like they don't like the drama shows, but if they had a David drama, ooh, I might watch that. He gives us a Netflix documentary. The first thing David acknowledges is where he came from. It's not an accident that his last inspired words he he draws back to the fact that he is David, son of Jesse. In order for us to understand, we have to know who Jesse is. Jesse was just a humble farmer. Jesse, his father, was a humble man. What David is saying through this passage is he started with humble beginnings. Before David was slaying giants and ruling as a king, he was the little shepherd boy in the field. Before David was slaying giants and, and, and ruling as a king and doing everything that we know of David, before he ever wrote a psalm, he was the little shepherd boy who was bringing cheese and bread to the battlefield, to, to, to his big brothers. Before David was everything that we know him to be, he was just a little boy that was overlooked. See, I think sometimes we need to draw back into what God has brought us from, not to go back into our past and our sin, but to remind ourselves how God has been faithful through it all. David goes back to the beginning to remind himself that God has been faithful. When he was a little shepherd boy, he was just as faithful as when he was king of Israel. That wherever you are in your life, he's faithful to you, whether you're humble beginnings, whether you're in humble positions or whether you're in the palace, wherever you are, God is the same faithful God says, son of Jesse, humble beginnings. The next thing he said is he is exalted by God. He's given earthly authority. He was king of Israel. So he goes from humble beginnings to exalted by God, king of Israel. Now, can I tell you, there are, not, there are no two more distant paths than humble beginnings and exalted by God. But lowly shepherd boy and king of Israel is about as far on the pendulum as you can go. Put in great positions of authority and power by the Lord. That word exalted in the Hebrew is the word kum, which, which means to arise with power. The Lord had arise in him power. 
The first time this word is used in the Bible, it's in Genesis 4 when Cain killed his brother. It's, a, it's, a, it's an idea of power and authority. The next time it's used is in Genesis 6 when God makes a covenant with Noah. There was power, there was binding, there was authority in the covenant. David, as king of Israel, had great power and great authority. David was a, was a, was a warrior king. David was the commander of the army of Israel. He had great earthly authority. What he said went in the kingdom. On David's word, so the, so the kingdom went. David was a humble, started humble beginnings, and then he was exalted by God. And then it says in verse one that he was anointed by God, which means he was given spiritual authority. So he has humble beginnings. He has earthly authority. And then he's given spiritual authority. The word anointed in the Hebrew there means of the Messiah, messianic prince of the high priest. David had spiritual priestly authority over Israel. He was dedicated by God. The oil was poured on him. He was protected by God. David was the shepherd. He was the pastor of Israel. David led Israel after God. And the last thing that he acknowledges him, or the, the word acknowledges him as, is the hero of Israel's songs. He was Israel's worship leader. He was Pastor Wong kicking the leg with the guitar. You know what I'm saying? He was doing it all. David had lived it all. That phrase, hero of Israel's songs, best translates to sweet psalmist of Israel. And I think that's so funny knowing he wrote that about himself. Sweet psalmist of Israel. But the Holy Spirit had him write it, so it's cool. It fits. But he taught Israel, David taught Israel how to worship, how to connect with God, how to cry out to God, and how to revere God, how to enter the presence of God, and how to rest in the presence of God. David taught Israel how to worship and connect with God. David was a man who had authority in every aspect of his life. David was a man who could, who could uh, acknowledge and, and walk with the lowly because he was once lowly. David was a man who could acknowledge the kings because he was a king. David was a man who could speak to the high priests and the priests because he had heavenly authority. David was a man who would lead everybody to the presence of God in worship. David experienced almost everything there was to experience. Can I tell you that David experienced highs and lows that are higher and lower than what we've experienced today? And, I, and I, so I think with all that being said, we have a lot to learn from a man with this much wisdom and this much skin in the game, this much wisdom and this much depth from his life. Amen. And this is where I want to focus today. It says this after verse one, after he recounts his life, he says something really interesting in verse two and three. He says, the God of Israel spoke to me and the God of Israel spoke through me. See, David had every earthly title there was to have, but through it all, the thing he dwells on the most is that the God of Israel spoke to him and spoke through him. He says, the rock of Israel, he says it twice in verse three, the rock of Israel spoke to me. David is more impressed by the fact that God spoke to him than the, all the earthly accomplishments he had ever had in his life. You know what's interesting is David could have used his last words to say anything he wanted. He could have been like, you remember that time where I slayed Goliath with just one stone? He could have said, remember that time when I was ready for his brother's next? He could have said, remember that time when we, when, when we accomplished that? Remember that time when we won that battle? Remember that time when everyone cheered for me and not Saul? I would have maybe said that. I'm just kidding. He could have said, remember that time when I wrote that psalm and everybody wept? Remember that time when I led you all into the presence of God? But instead, what he dwells on is that, man, God spoke to me and God spoke through me. David's life is summarized in the fact that God spoke to him and God spoke through him. And I want to encourage us to be a people that wherever you're at in life, the main priority of your life should be that God speaks to you and God speaks through you. That, God, that would be the challenge today. 
See, David had every earthly status there was to have, and what he did is he took off his crown and he laid it at the feet of Jesus. He did not glorify himself in that moment saying, man, I did it all in his last words. Instead, he said, you know what? I, I experienced some cool things, but let me lay down this crown because the God of Israel, the rock of ages, the beginning and the end, the King of kings and the Lord of lords was kind enough to speak to me and kind enough to speak through me. Even though I was a mess through it all, the God of Israel spoke to me and through me. And I want to speak to someone today that the God of Israel wants to speak to you and through you today. The same way he spoke to David, he wants to speak to you. See, some of you may achieve everything there is to accomplish in your field. You might be a king of some sort. Now, now we won't literally be kings, right? Because we live in America. At least I hope we don't have no kings. You know what I'm saying? But, but what that king actually more entails is what we can um, associate it with our lives is a, is a, is a business leader or, or a manager or someone with earthly authority, right? Someone with earthly authority. And you may accomplish, you may be seated in a role of earthly authority right now. You may have teams under you. You may lead people. But can I ask you something? Does God speak to you and does he speak through you to your people? Does God speak to you when you're home alone with your family or does God, or, or, or is your priority more on the things that you've accomplished? Some of you may become spiritual leaders, group leaders, pastors, shepherds like David did. You may preach great sermons, greater than I'll ever preach. Walk people through the hardest times of their life. But can I tell you, when you go home at night, does God speak to you? Or, and does he speak through you? Or does he just speak to you from a stage? See, I believe God is calling us into a place where he speaks to us in our private life. And our private life is more important than our public life. So, some of you may be great musicians, worship leaders, artists, please teach my daughter. So when she starts singing, <laughs> when she starts singing Jingle Bells, Merry Christmas to me, it at least sounds good. You know what I'm saying? No, she sounds good. I love her voice. Just not amplified. Some of you, some of you may be great musicians, worship leaders, and artists. You may write songs that make people weep, but does God speak to you? And does God speak through you? Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, if, if what drives you is your su earthly success, you will always still be empty. If you find identity in earthly status, don't be surprised when you get the promotion and end up disappointed. Don't be surprised that as you climb the corporate ladder higher, you feel more and more empty because what you're beginning to experience is I may hit the next level of corporate ladder. I may hit the next level of leadership. I may hit the next level of authority, but if I try to find my identity in that authority, what I realize in a real way is that authority actually doesn't bring me peace and it doesn't bring me joy and it doesn't, it doesn't cause me to not have sleepless nights. Can I tell you, if you try to find your peace, your joy, and your happiness in earthly things, it will always disappoint you. But if you try to be like David and find your peace in him, he will provide it. Listen, if it's why there's celebrities who have money, fame, notoriety, everything you could ever want, but they're still, they have everything the world can offer, but they still commit suicide. It's because they climbed the ladder as high as this earth could offer and they were still empty and they didn't know where to look. Can I tell you, friend, we know where to look. You can climb the corporate ladder and it won't fill you, but the rock of ages, the God of Israel can speak to you and speak through you. I'm trying to help some of you who are trying to build your life on earthly things. You will end up disappointed. You will end up broken. You will end up lost and you will be confused as to why it didn't bring you joy. It's because it never could. 
I, I want to really challenge you to introspect. Maybe right now, maybe when you get home, but what do you pride yourself on? What is your measure of growth as an individual? If it's the number in your bank account, can I tell you you're going to be empty? If it's the status as if I've just become a pastor, then I'll feel, no, you'll become empty. If it's anything that's a metric that isn't have to be tied in with God, you'll, you'll find yourself empty. What is your trophy? When you look inside, what is your motivation? What drives you? Is it a title? Is it what other people think about you? Is it a 401k? Is it an accomplishment? Is it a monetary number? Or is it that God speaks to you and through you? I'm try- for, for, for next year, for 2024, I'm just trying to get closer to God than I was this year. That is a goal, is that I can just get closer to God this year than I was last year, than I know that he can make a way for all the other things. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom, of right- the kingdom and righteousness and all else will be added to you. What does that mean? It means seek first the kingdom and he'll give you the status if he wants you to have the status. Seek first Jesus and then he'll add everything else. Some of us end up in trouble because we seek first everything else and then we try to add Jesus in and we wonder why we're going from a place of tiredness. We're wondering why we're going from a place of exhaustion and, and brokenness. It's because you're trying to add Jesus into your already busy life. Can I tell you, friends, some of you need to, I didn't throw, say this first service. Some of you need to redo your schedule, relook at your schedule, build it on the foundation that is Jesus, and then let the other things in. Because can I tell you, if you don't build with Jesus first, you'll end up broken every time. This is why God chose David as a man after his own heart. It was never his performance. It was always his perspective. David messed up and messed up pretty bad. Pastor Chris talked about it. He, 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 had, uh, he basically made uh, Bathsheba cheat on her husband and had a man killed. Now, I don't think any of y'all have done that. I hope not. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you do, just respond to the altar call, I guess. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> At least, no, but David has had lows. It was never about David's performance that made God call a man after his own heart. Because you know what's crazy is God knew that David was going to do that and still called him a man after his own heart. This is why God chose David as a man after his own heart is because it was never about his performance. It was always about his perspective that when David had nothing, he prioritized the presence of God. When David was in the fields as a little shepherd boy, he prioritized the presence of God. When David was in the palace as king, he prioritized the presence of God. After David fell, he, he repented and he prioritized the presence of God. In highs and in lows, David prioritized the presence. He didn't prioritize performance. And if there was ever a man in all of history that could have prioritized performance and put himself on a pedestal. It was the man who was a warrior king, the shepherd of Israel, and the greatest singer of his generation. If there was ever someone who could have put his performance on a pedestal and said, I have earned this, it was David. But God called David a man after his own heart because even though he had all these earthly accomplishments, he laid them down. This is the difference with David is he has perspective of heaven and not of earth. He said, all this earthly stuff, it don't matter. He looks back at his life and he says, man, I was king. I was prophet. I was, I was hit maker. You know what I'm saying? I was, I was making all the hits. Everyone loved me, but what was really cool was God spoke to me. Here's the thing. Some of you may hit all your metrics and find yourself empty. Some of you may never be king. You may never be a business leader. You may never be a business owner. You may never have the bank account that you want. But can I tell you something? You can still have the thing that David desired the most. Some of you may never be pastor, may never preach from a stage, may never be worship leader, may never sing with a microphone. Thank the Lord for some of us, you know what I'm saying? Y'all don't want to hear me on a microphone. But you have access to the thing that David cherished the most. Whether you hit all your metrics or whether you don't, you have access to the thing that David cherished the most, which is the presence of God. 
Listen, it doesn't matter what you've been through and what you've accomplished. We have people in here that are highly successful business leaders, and we have people in here who probably have 10 cents in their bank account, and I hope that ain't a prophetic number. <laughs> you may be in great highs, and you may be in great lows. It doesn't matter what you've been through or what you've accomplished. The presence of God is the same for you today. It doesn't matter if you are in a season of great triumph or in a season of great sorrow. It doesn't matter if you're in a season where you feel like you've earned it or if you're in a season where you just are just walking in a life of sin and you want to be done with it. It doesn't matter what you've accomplished or what you've done. The same presence of God is available to you today. The same Jesus is available to you today. You know what I love about David is at the end of it all, he didn't glory in his positions or his accomplishments like he could have, but he gloried in his relationship with the Lord. I've seen people with great positions of authority that God doesn't speak to and he doesn't speak through. And I've seen people with no earthly authority who God speaks to and God speaks through. I've seen people who have the title, but don't have the anointing. And I've seen people who have the anointing, but don't have the title. That's another way to say it. Uh, let's look at the lives of the disciples when Jesus was walking on the earth. Uh, uh, Peter had no earthly authority. He was just a fisherman and he was a little crazy and he had a mouth and he just did all the dumb stuff at all the wrong time. But Acts chapter five says, as Peter just walked by, people got healed because he didn't have earthly authority, but he had heavenly authority. Can I tell you that there was high priests who had earthly authority, but when they spoke, when Jesus spoke, they had no idea what he was actually saying because they didn't have heavenly authority. They had earthly authority. Can I tell you, friend, sometimes we're looking for all the wrong authority. We're looking for earthly authority. Can I tell you today, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all else will be added to you. I believe that we would be a church of people like, 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 like Peter that would walk in heavenly authority that as we go, things would shift. And it doesn't matter what your earthly status is, because look at, listen, you can, you can have impact as the CEO and you can have impact as an entry level employee. You can have impact as the one in charge of the company, or you can have impact as the one at the first day in the company. You ever worked at a place where like the CEO wasn't the one in charge? And you know what I'm talking about? Like the person who just worked in the warehouse was like, oh, they in charge. They're leading everyone the wrong way. You can have impact no matter what your earthly status is. What David had to realize is my position here, earthly, matters way less than my position here, vertically. My position and my status among men and women does not matter nearly as much as my position and my status to my Lord. Can I tell you, I want to encourage you today that some of you have been putting all your hopes, all your aspirations, and all your dreams in impressing a boss, in gaining earthly status, in making a certain amount of money. But can I tell you today that the only thing that will go with you to the next life is actually your, your vertical priority. You can't take the stuff with you in the grave, but you can take God with you and you can make an eternal impact. David understood his priority was vertical, not horizontal. His priority was heavenly and not earthly. I want to us to open our eyes today and have heavenly perspective and look the way the Lord calls us to look, to have eyes like David, to see what the Lord wants to do and see what the Lord wants to say. See, David was different because he didn't want to be the greatest king. David's aspiration was not to be the greatest king. David's aspiration was to be the king that loved God the most. <laughs> David was a man after God's own heart because he wasn't trying to be the best king. He was trying to just love God more than any other king had or any other king would. You know what's interesting is David's son Solomon. You know anything about Solomon, right? You know David's son Solomon. Solomon was known for being the wisest king. Solomon's concern was being the best king he could be. And I think that's noble, right? That's noble. He wanted to be a good king. He wanted to lead God's people well. But David's concern was being the king close to God. 
It's why when we look back at their lives now, David is the one who's revered, revered most because for him, it wasn't about what he could build. It was about building with the Lord. For David, it wasn't about, I'm just going to build the coolest temple. I'm going to build the best thing. It was about, I'm just going to build whatever God wants me to build. I'm just going to walk with the Lord. It's why David's most famous psalm actually isn't when he's in the palace. It's Psalm 23. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Notice David's prayer is not God. Just put me in good positions. It's God. Even when I'm in bad positions, I pray that you would be with me. Even when I'm in bad positions, I know that you're with me. Friend, can you take your perspective and take it off of, of, of a gospel that preaches just happy and good and everything's got to be, you got to just be blessed and make a million dollars. And can you put your perspective like David said, hey, if I'm, in the, if I'm in the palace, God, you're there with me. If I'm in the fields, God, you're there with me. If I'm running for my life, God, you are there with me. David had proper perspective. David's priority wasn't God, don't let me walk through tough places. It was God, when I walk through tough places, go with me. And I believe some of us are called to walk through tough places because as you walk through tough places and God goes with you, people around you get healed. I believe God is going to use us as, 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 as people like David who would say, how did he walk through the valley of the shadow of death unharmed? Oh, it's because he made a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's because the God of Israel was there with me. Listen, listen, this is interesting about Solomon and David. There's some parallels we can draw. This is why Solomon was remembered for what he did and David was remembered by who he was. I'm going to say that again. I think there's some weight to it. Solomon was remembered by what he did, and David was remembered by who he was. Solomon was remembered as a man who built a great temple and had wise words. David was known as a worshiper and a man after God's own heart. Solomon was known by activity. David was known by identity. I don't want ever us to be a church that's known by activity. Activity is good and it's necessary, but let them know a people who love God. Let our lives, activity is good. Doing good things is good. Christmas wishes is amazing. The community is going to know that there's something different because we have done something special. But let them also know that these are a people who do good things because we love the Lord. Let them also know that, that, that the Lord has empowered us and given us grace. Let us also be known by our heavenly our identity and not just our earthly activity. I don't, I don't know about you, but when I look back in my life, I don't want to be 65, 70, 80, 85 years old and look back at a bunch of accomplishments. I, I, I want to look back and cherish my time with God. I want to be able to look back and say, God, I remember when I was in that season and I felt like quitting, but you were there and you were the one who sustained me. I don't want to look back and say, man, remember that time I made, I made a lot of money that year, but my family hated me because I was never home. No, I want to look back and say, Lord, I thank you that even though it seemed hard in that moment, you were there and you provided for me and I get to see you as provider. See, I believe God wants to shift our perspective from all the negative things to who he actually is, to shift our perspective. I don't know about you, but when, when my friends and family talk about me at my funeral, I don't want them to talk about what I accomplished in my life. I want them to talk about the man that I was, how I, I, how I loved the Lord and loved my wife and loved, and loved my kids and loved the church. I don't want people's greatest memory of me to be that I was a Warriors fan or a Giants fan or a Niners fan. They're winning the Super Bowl, by the way. But I don't want people's... <laughs> I had it. Okay. I don't want people's to re, people to remember me by that. I want them to remember me by, by my love for the Lord. David was a man who was remembered for his heart. Solomon was a man who was remembered for his activity. This gives us great insight to the heart of God. He's not after what you build for him. He's after you. 
I want to encourage someone today who feels far from God and you feel like you have to build something of substance in order for him to see you or want you. Can I tell you, he's never been about what you can build for him. He wants to build in you an identity. He wants to build in you love. He's after you. And, and, and from that place of him building us, then we build things for him. Does that make sense? It's not we build things for him so he can bless us. It's we build things for him because he has been with us. It's a perspective shift. In a culture that, in society that's obsessed with what we can deliver, God just says, I want all of you. I love that this sermon series is called All of Me because David is a man who gave God all of him in the highs and the lows and the peaks and the valleys. I want us to be a church, a people that give God all of us and not just parts of us, not just the parts that we like and not try to earn it by doing good deeds, but be a people who love God more than anything and a people whose hearts are surrendered to him. And if Pastor Wong can come up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on, on uh, end here. I was going to say on this note, but I have a couple more notes. So I don't want to lie to y'all this morning. You know what I'm saying? I want to read verse five in the New King James, actually. I think it, 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 does, a, it does a better um, job of describing what David actually meant. If you read it in the Hebrew, this is closer to the text than the NIV. It says this, it says, although my house is not so or not right with God, still he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? It's interesting here. Although my house is not right with God, he has made with me an everlasting covenant. What is David's last words saying? He says, David's hope wasn't in him keeping the covenant because he never could keep his end of the covenant. David's hope was in God keeping his end of the covenant. David's last words are a profound understanding of the gospel. I didn't keep my end, but God kept his. Friend, let that encourage you today. If you feel lost in sin, you could never keep your end of the covenant. If David, the hero of Israel's songs, if David, the, the, the king exalted by God, if David, anointed shepherd of Israel, couldn't keep his end of the covenant, there was no way you were keeping your end of the covenant. But thank God that Jesus kept our end of the covenant for us. Thank God that Jesus came down as man and died on that cross so that he could keep his end and he could keep our end. I don't know about you, friend, but this statement fits my life. I could not keep my end of the covenant. I could not work my way into heaven. I could not do enough good deeds to make it to heaven. In fact, Isaiah 64 says your good deeds are like filthy rags. I could not do it, but thank God he did it for me. David's last testimony was I've seen it all and I've failed, but God never failed me. Let that be your heart cry. Stop looking internally to find solutions and look to him. It's why we sing songs like Yeshua. My, my beloved is the most beautiful. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. I'll just say it. My beloved is the most beautiful because he did what we couldn't do. It's why we sing his is the kingdom and his is the glory and his is the power because he did what we couldn't do. David was living in a New Testament reality in the Old Testament time period. I love Pastor Chris says that a lot. His last words were a foreshadowing to the new covenant with Jesus. Although we could not put off sin, Jesus put on sin so we could be free. Although we could not take off the punishment of sin and death, he put on the punishment of sin and death so you and I can live free today and not just free from the wages of sin, but free from the power of sin so now we can live boldly and we can live courageously and we can live in identity and we can have words like David. David with heavenly perspective and not trying to strive and not trying to earn it and not trying to impress others, but just love and rest in the security of God. 
he realized that his performance, his greatness, his ability was never enough and it would never be enough. And he realized that his failure, his guilt, and his shame would never disqualify him. His highs weren't high enough and his lows weren't too low. Can I tell someone today that's been feeling like you try to, you have to try to earn it. Your high will never be high enough to earn your way into the kingdom of God. And can I tell someone today who's ashamed, who feels guilty, who feels dirty, your lows are not too low for God to still love you and enter you and ask you into the kingdom. Your highs are not too high and your lows are not too low because Jesus has made a way. Friend, David summarizes his life and all it is is the story of the faithfulness of Jesus. David's life at the end of it wasn't one that propped himself up and exalted himself. It was one that exalted God. I want our lives, I want my life to be one at the end of it. That's not one that props me up and says, look what I did. But one that lays down my crown and says, look what my king did. (laughs) He did what I couldn't do. He spoke to me when I didn't deserve it. And he spoke through me when he shouldn't have. He spoke through me and he spoke to me. And Lord, I just thank you that you're kind enough to still speak to me. So everyone stand with me. I'm going to close here. I I just want to give you the opportunity wherever you're at. Everyone's eyes closed. No one looking around. If if you would say, you know what? You have put your life effort into accomplishing things. You resonated as I was talking about trying to be a king and trying to build your bank account and trying to build your accomplishments as being the main priority of your life. And today you want to change your perspective and cast cast it down at the feet of Jesus and you want to surrender to Jesus. You want to allow yourself to trust him for once and for all. If that's you, no one looking around, just slip up your hand for me. Thank you, Jesus. I see hands all over. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray in a minute for you. Second thing I want to, I want to ask is if you've been feeling shame, condemnation, and guilt that you've been disqualified, Maybe like David, your life has been highs and lows and you feel like you've been distancing yourself from God because you haven't kept your end of the covenant. But today you want to surrender it to him. You want to surrender the guilt. You want to surrender the shame. You believe that as Jesus died on the cross, he paid the punishment for your sins. And as he rose again, you rose in eternal life with him. If you want to say, you know what, today I want to let go of the guilt and the sin and the shame. If that's you, just slip up your hand for me. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over. Thank you, Jesus. Even though we haven't kept our end of the covenant, he kept his end. So I want to pray this is if you responded to either one of those things, I just want you to put your hands on your mind with me. And everyone is going to repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, change my perspective. Help me to not live for the approval of man, but for the heart of God. I'll put your hands in your heart with me. Jesus. Give me a heart like David to love you in the highs and love you in the lows. I'm going to pray for you guys. Lord, I thank you. I pray that you would just begin to seal the work that you've done. I thank you that when we couldn't keep our end of the covenant, you kept your end. I thank you that when we were guilty and in sin and in shame, your word says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, I pray that you would just continue to renew us in spirit. I pray for the one who was about to quit before they came in here this morning because they felt dirty. God, I pray you would wash them clean with your blood. I pray the blood of Jesus over their life. I pray you give them the grace to walk out of sin and bondage. I pray for the one who's been striving and trying to earn it, trying to earn your love, trying to earn the affection of others, trying to earn the uh, uh, 
enough to impress others. God, I pray that they would lay that down. They would lay down the striving. They would lay down the frustration. They would lay down their earthly authority and they would pick up spiritual authority. God, I thank you for all, for everyone in here that responded to the call and for those that didn't, but maybe should have. God, I pray that you would bless them, that you would be with them. I pray for a church that would have hearts like David, that would say, Lord, you can have all of me and I surrender to you in Jesus name. Family said, amen. Amen. All right. At this time, I'm going to have Pastor Chris come up. Close service. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.